to another video and uh, this is a, another genre video from 1970 and I'm going to tackle heavy rock music now uh, and it's probably appropriate for 1970 because it was really the m music that at that particular time age 16 I was heavily into heavy rock heavily into um, and uh, the problem I've got is that I'm now 67 and some of the, uh, how can I put it, sparkle that I experienced when these heavy rock albums were released has waned in time. But I'll do my best to try and convey to you uh, the sort of feeling that I was experiencing uh, about the music. Because that's basically what uh, my channel is about. Uh, you grasping a, uh, an insight if you aren't aware of the albums and then possibly deciding to give them a listen. That's basically what my purpose is. Uh, but some of these that are very famous, I will not elaborate in too much detail uh, because uh, the fans uh, are always going to be fans and uh, new people to this music are probably uh, very small. Uh, so let's get started and I want to start with the second album by Black Sabbath called Paranoid. Just briefly, um, the debut album which uh, occurred the year before. At that particular time I had the good fortune, uh, as I rearranged my chair, the good fortune to uh, see this band uh, at about the time the first album was released and I saw them in a very smoky alcoholically hazed uh, club with about 200 people uh, on a very very small stage and um, the sound was extremely loud but with the benefits of alcohol and various other uh, substances it was an extremely memorable event and they did all their uh, material from that first album. Um, but after that, no, didn't see them again. But great memories of that night uh, with Ozzy Osbourne uh, screaming out uh, uh, the title track. So to Paranoid. So just to remind you, uh, Ozzy Osbourne on vocals, Tony Iommi on guitar. He plays flute on this one as well, on Panic Caravan. Geezer Butler on bass and Bill Ward on drums and, and congas. Congas on that Planet Caravan. There was also uh, a little bit of input on piano from the engineer. Uh, and um, that's about it, I think. Uh, right. Opening track then, War Pigs. The album originally was going to be called War Pigs, but they changed it to Paranoid. Uh, War Pigs, it sort of squeals out with Ozzy's uh, vocals uh, about the doom of war and Iommi's screeching guitar with a thunderous ribbon. It really is heavy rock for sure. It's a great opener, eight minutes, and I like it. It's got a bit of a schizoid ending to it. Then next up is Paranoid, which was the single. Uh, it's quite light, really, for them at that particular time. Became a minor hit in the 20s, uh, top 20s, that is. 
and uh, as I said, a bit timid really. Uh, but it's got a nice little uh, uh, riff uh, to sing along to. Uh, Planet Caravan's necked up, and this is a very soothing and immersive uh, uh, song with some dainty little congas uh, from Ward and a touch of flute from Miami. Uh, the guitars are slightly uh, rested on this one, and it's, uh, it's an encouraging sort of diversion, I think. Last track on side one is Iron Man, and this is a bit of a monster. It's crude and it bludgeons in its delivery, and Ozzy steals the show with a manic, crazy, psychotic shrill. The rhythm shifts into crazed guitar solos and has some great bass lines from Geezer. So to uh, side two, which I have to say I felt dropped off uh, considerably, so all you fans now can have a go at me. Electric Funeral, it's heavy, heavy. But the lyrics are pretty wacky for sure. Hand of Doom, pleasant enough, but the damage has been done on side one, so... Now you're going to die. Rat Salad is an instrumental. Ward has a quick solo, as does Tony. It's a bit one-dimensional for me, going nowhere. Uh, and then the final track, which I do like, Fairies Wear Boots, uh, a, a real tongue-in-cheek title, uh, looking at the afterlife. It's got a skippy beat, with some rolling solos on it. Uh, and uh, it's, uh, it's a nice track. This album, heavier perhaps than the debut album, but it ditched the blues and jazzy elements and the band were focusing the majority of it on the heavier side of things. And Ozzy is wickedly clownish. Uh, so uh, not as in your face as the debut. And for me, the shine was becoming dull already, uh, which became terminal with uh, Master of Reality which uh, I can't even recall uh, listening beyond one uh, attempt. So there we are. It's a classic. It's Paranoid, and it's by Black Sabbath. Next up is Led Zeppelin Free. Led Zeppelin Free. Now, I was a huge fan of Led Zeppelin, uh, but when Three came along, I thought, oh, what? I don't rem remember this. This is not what I expect, because they started to develop their music. And I wasn't prepared to develop along it. Nowadays, of course, uh, I actually see Led Zeppelin Free uh, as an album that's uh, extremely interesting. And uh, Page and Plant's development uh, was really a, a, a big gamble by them, but it paid off in spades. The opener, though, is traditional uh, Zeppelin. Uh, immigrant song. It explodes out of the speakers and um, with uh, plants wrenching vocals driven by Page's iconic riff and you know you're in for a, a blast here. Next up is Friends. Uh, it builds effortlessly with strings on top and plants vocals are significant uh, plus Page's guitar of course and it, it then segues into a psychedelic transition to track three celebration day with some riffy bass slots in over Bonham's drums and it snarls a little bit at the charged rhythm. There's a very slick guitar solo on it as well. I absolutely adored when I first heard it 
and I still love it, Since I've Been Loving You, a, a slow blues. Uh, I love these lengthy blues songs where the vocals and guitars get expanded into uh, wondrous uh, emotions. Uh, Plant weds the vocals to Jimmy's playing. And this is, uh, I think, superior to Stairway to Heaven. Uh, I, I think that because it's more heartfelt and Page is at its peak. And the band as a whole is a, a one unit. Uh, Plant takes off with his pleas to all. Uh, and it's a wonderful, uh, wonderful song. Next up is Out on the Tiles. Uh, rocky and groovy to Robert's uh, wailing yeah, yeah, yeah again. Gallows Pole, nice acoustic intros here to a very sweet song. And then it switches to faster percussion driven ry ry rhythms with some banjo thrown in uh, at the back of the mix. Uh, and there's a, an umpa harmony to boot at the outro uh, with some a speedy solo from Jimmy. Then we've got the beautiful tangerine, an acoustic lead folk blues this. Plant's vocals lead into some epic spacious page solos. And then the pedal steel guitar creeps in. It's very West Coast American style influence, I think, but it's got a lot of polish. And then that's the way. Follows on with a song full of melody uh, on the acoustic vocal joinage. Uh, there's a bit of echo as well on that guitar. The last two uh, tracks, um, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> no, because otherwise I've done the whole album. But they're called Bronya or Stomp, which is a, a bit of a manic sort of song. And then hats off to Roy Harper. If you don't know who Roy Harper is, well, he was a very, very close friend of Led Zeppelin at that time. So there we have it. Brief review, Led Zeppelin 3. Four stars if you're counting five stars as essential. Um, like it. Let's move on. Uh, on this 1970 dive into heavy rock, I'm going to talk a little bit about Deep Purple in Rock. Now, I have got uh, a review of this album already on my channel, uh, but this will be probably about the same length. Uh, I'll try and make it a bit smaller. Uh, anyway, Deep Purple Mark II were formed in 1969 after the founding members, Richie Blackmore, John Lord and Ian Pace, decided to get rid of Rod Evans on vocals and replace him with someone who could tackle a hard rock style. They also kicked out uh, Nick uh, simpler the bass guitarist Ian Gillen and his friend Roger Glover arrived uh, uh, duly on cue uh, now Gillen was both a brilliant singer and a great lyricist and Glover also wrote and arranged songs and he was pretty good in the production area as well this release then was uh, the album that thrusted Deep Purple into the big league. It was released at about the same time as Black Sabbath's classic sophomore album, Paranoid. And with Led Zeppelin riding high after two hit albums under their belts and the third due, the, the three albums released uh, uh, by Messrs Purple 
uh, Sabbath and Zeppelin remain the uh, most established uh, albums uh, of that year uh, when we came to describing them as heavy rock. Gets off to a great start with that frantic distortion laden organ intro by Lord. That's Speed King for you. The song kicks in with a flourish. Gillen screaming out those lyrics and an explosion of rip-roaring guitar from Blackmore. And then uh, Lord guides us into the next rinth with Pace's drumming. Richie's rhythm then connects with the keyboard solo exquisitely and the Gillen squeal arrives. Something special, uh, to say the, uh, the least. Influenced possibly by the old rock and roll uh, from the 50s. And uh, Little Richard comes to mind with good golly Miss Molly. After that, tracks two, Bloodsucker calms down a little. It's a solid rocker though, and R Blackmore owns the riff, and it glides out with great interplay between Lord and Blackmore. Then Chime closes out the first side. Um, well, what, what a song. It's a classic 10 minutes of stunning music. Uh, Lord's keyboard line uh, introduces it, which is one of the most recognisable in rock music history. Then Gillen's words make your heart bleed, and he lifts the song into an extraordinary vocal, uh, building to a spine-tingling scream. Lord and Blackmark kick in for a blistering five-minute midsection that uh, reaches new levels of power and uh, virtuosity. It's pure rock theatre and the vocal tone is gripping with the tears of white from your eyes as you listen. And the liquid solo from Blackmore is something else. This song is considered one of the epic songs in rock history and it still creates a spine-chingling feel for me when I listen to it. Let's flip it over then and take you through side two. Uh, it's not quite up to the power of the first side, but it's still pretty stunning. It starts with Flight of the Rat. It's a Pace and Glover collaboration, so you can guess it's got a lot of rhythm. And uh, it's, um, it's a pulsating rocker. It's uh, about eight minutes long, and it's got three solos. It's conventional, to say the least, but... Uh, it brings a sense of normality to the album after that first side. And Lord now shows how he was influenced at the time by one Keith Emerson with a virtuoso-style solo. Then Blackmore screeches in uh, and gets that neck. He runs up and down it uh, to uh, applause. And some great wah-wah five minutes in. And then Pace takes over um, with a brief solo power rock uh, 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 piece. It's wonderful. Uh, next up, Into the Fire. Only three minutes this one, and it's by comparison a weak track. Uh, and uh, then we're on to Living Wreck, which uh, is well paced. It drifts in, and with the help from Lord and uh, Lord's organ and Gillen, it's very strong again. The riffs are solid, and there's a catchy chorus. Uh, oh, and you know uh, that uh, live. Here's what it says: 
Oh no. You are a living wreck. Oh, I didn't quite get that. Sorry. Soaring organ, straight ahead rocker, and it tells uh, the so story of a love affair. The finale then, Hard Loving Man. Uh, or Lord is terrific on this track, driving the pacey rhythm. It starts explosively, and then the gun firing Blackmore and Lord load up the pace as we await Gillen's scream. Infamy awaits. The siren-like keyboard and the thrashing guitar frenzy, it becomes entangled in the hard rock sound and it builds to a crescendo, a terrific closer, and it reminds me of cowboys escaping from Lawman as they rush off into the distance with the posse after them. It's one of my favourite tracks and this continues to be one of my favourite albums. And uh, if you haven't heard this, um, I suggest you get your headphones out and try and get hold of a copy and immerse you in it. Um, it's still one of the best albums around and I still prefer it uh, quite a bit uh, in comparison to their next offering, Machine Head. Fourth offering, uh, I listened to it the other day. Uh, it's called, uh, the album title is Sing Brother Sing by the Edward Wharton Band. Now, I put this in Heavy Rock because their debut, which was released the year before, was the ultimate in Heavy. Uh, but I've forgotten over the years that this second uh, one uh, was mellower in comparison. But, you know, psychedelic prog, rock, Heavy Rock, we're splitting hairs here. Anyway, the music's captivating on this album, raw uh, for certain, with a bit of integrity. And it's a refusal, really, to adhere to that structure, uh, that uh, heavy rock structure that I uh, mentioned earlier. I'm going to run through it fairly quickly. There's no vibrations, but wait uh, is a fairly rocky number with spoken word. It's got a voodoo-like beat, I think. Then there's a couple of sort of uh, uh, selections that are uh, more conceptual. The Moth is the first one. It's sang by Arthur Grant. Uh, the Edward Broughton Band, if you weren't familiar, uh, were uh, uh, the Broughton Brothers on guitar and uh, drums with Arthur Grant on bass. Um, and they came from the Midlands. I think it was Birmingham. Anyway... Back to the review, uh, this, uh, uh, the moth, it's a message on transitioning from boy to man, I think, and looking back to ensure that parents care for themselves. Then we hit Mama's Reward, keep them freaks a-rolling, and this is heavy. But it's got a Captain Beefheart-style vocals from Edgar. The lead solo is psychedelic in nature. And in fact, uh, his... Uh, vocals throughout uh, are certainly heavily influenced by Don Van Vliet. Uh And let's move on to Refugee, uh, a monologue about war. They were really into war songs, or anti-war, as the case may be. Uh, and uh, it's still got that beef art twin uh, sound to it. Officer Dan is a bit of a joke, light, jocular rock song. 
about serving your country. Uh, old Gopher uh, is a, a harmonica-driven blues. And then we got Aphrodite, off-key guitar work here, introduces a tropical feel, uh, almost Greek-like, I thought, but it's very humorous. And then Grandma, well, this is a bit of a throwaway, jugs along uh, with a gross vocal from Edgar. Got a Delta Blues feel. And then uh, we've got uh, Psychopath, which is another one of these conceptual ones. Uh, it uh, owes a nod to Troutmask Replica, a very chaotic blues psychedelia uh, on this. And then we've got uh, the... Uh, I'm just flicking through my notes. It's Falling Away finishes off after the psychedelia uh, from uh, that bit. It's Falling Away. Final track, slumbered blues, really. It meanders through psychedelia and Edgar's growl. Um, I think I'll give it another listen. Whether you'll like it remains to be seen. But it's Edgar Broughton Band and it's uh, Sing Brother Sing, their second. Last one on this first episode of Heavy Rock is uh, an album that I really did like when it came out. It's by Atomic Rooster. It's called Death Walks Behind You. Uh, at that stage, they were a trio, and John Ducan had become a full-time member on lead guitar and vocals, joining Vincent Crane, uh, who basically was the leader of the band. He was on keyboards uh, and vocals. And, uh, um, and then we had uh, on drums uh, Paul Hammond, who'd replaced the previous runner, one Carl Palmer, who decided to go off and make lots of money with ELP. Okay, so that is the personnel on this. And this was regarded by many at the time as uh, an, a heavy rock album based on uh, uh, the uh, extravagance of both the organist Crane and the guitarist Ducan. Uh, and there were some comparisons with Deep Purple uh, at the time. Uh, although uh, here it's just one mom blow, blowing a guitar riff, uh, uh, one reviewer put it, after another, def def desperately trying to push out the organ. Yes, they were competitive with Crane and Ducan. And uh, there was a warp speed sort of organ, uh, uh, which was reminiscent of uh, uh, the style of playing on this particular album. This album was their second, and it was described at the time as a sort of black Sabbath for the intellectual, a bit subtler. The heaviness is not so acutely perceived. Uh, because uh, ultimately Ducan's guitar tone is lighter than Iomi's. Uh, less cliched lyrics from Crane, uh, less straightforward instrumentation as well, and probably a more professional rhythm section than the Sabs. Uh, uh, there was no basis, of course, uh, uh, on this album, and Crane uh, managed to put the bass lines uh, in through the organ. Although often his uh, style uh, owed a sort of uh, a touch to Ray Manzarek, 
Zarek of the Doors. And there was less emphasis on the uh, evil vocal imitation that uh, Ozzy brought to the, uh, uh, the party. And so uh, I hope you've got a sort of slight picture of what this band were all about. The opener was the title track, a really eerie opening with a horror movie piano feel. And the chromatic verses are really marvellous. The screeching guitars bludgeoning uh, the bass line from the keyboards before the powerhouse beat and rousing guitar. And then the vokes are very chilling before the chugging beat is recycled. It's a great track live as well. Uh, I saw them a number of times at, around uh, the 1970. And there's a, a neat uh, piano interlude as well that enables the final rousing run to the finish. It's a tremendous opener. Then on to Vug. Now Vug was uh, one of two instrumentals on this album. Uh, it was a bit of a contest though between the keyboards and the guitars. <coughs> Speedy organ synchronised beautifully with the guitar fuzzy rhythms and the solid drummer, drumming to boot. Uh, it's not ELP, a bit too working class for that. And the guitars, well, they're explosive, mind-blowing, uh, which, of course, never existed with ELP. And then to track three, uh, Tomorrow Night. This was a hit single, a minor hit. It's a sing-along melody, really, with standard guitar riff. It's quite catchy, and there's a couple of brief solos uh, for the protagonists. Echoing guitar at the fade-out, which owed a nod to one James Marshall Hendrix. On the first side, seven streaks. There's a church organ intro to a rather slow beat, and then the pace accelerates, and it becomes almost jam-like between the two protagonists tit for tat between Crane and Ducan. The guitar's pretty heavy on this as well. And then to the opener from side two, which probably epitomised the heavy in heavy rock for one atonic rooster. It's called Sleeping for Years and uh, it's, uh, it had an audacious solo that bends its way into the psyche right from the off as Ducan uh, measures up against all those egocentric lead guitar players you know them page blackmore hendrix uh and uh then the beat kicks in with the vocals and the spiring guitar almost continuous here crane allows ducan to strike out and it's a 10 for sure a guitar barrage next up is i can't take no more uh it follows on but and uh, not quite as heavy, very fast bass guitar, though a bit of a bonanza really, and Crane uh, with more pro more prominent here with his keyboard runs. Uh, but Ducan, not to be left out, has a galloping rhythm to this. Uh, and it's not a bad song. So, what have we got next? Uh, nobody else. Uh, the crazy rowdy vocal that precedes the music I could not really quite understand uh, because it, uh, then immediately it switches to a classical feel with the keyboards, a ballad with snippets of intricate guitar chords. And the vocals deliver a lost love tale 
but Crane is no Elton John, unfortunately. Uh, so he really can't match that uh, mood. Spacey guitar to the finish. And then the last track uh, on the original release, Gershatza, another instrumental. And uh, this allows uh, members of the band, Crane and the drummer, to get into those very infamous uh, solos, which were very much part and parcel of live uh, gigs uh, at the beginning of the 70s. Uh, there's lots of power on it. The piano solo takes off over initially and then Crane switches to organ and then uh, an, some more passive piano. Uh, the organ is very reminiscent of uh, Keith Emerson, it has to be said. Uh, the bonanza is interspersed and personally it's a bit self-indulgent I find uh, but brief by solos uh, that you hear live I guess. And then there's the brief drum solo as well, God forbid. Uh, and then you can cut uh, to the uh, outro. So there we have it. Uh, on the uh, updated uh, reissue, they also had uh, another single, The Devil's Answer, which was quite successful. Uh, I like that song, but not much about it. So this was definitely the highlight as far as I'm concerned. Uh, in the Ad Atomic Rooster discography. Uh, and if you're into heavy guitar music, I really do suggest you get to listen to it. Also, Prog Rubbers uh, will probably like this as well. So, there we have it. That's the conclusion of the first episode of Heavy Rock for 1970. Uh, the, I'm not sure if I'm going to do a second. Uh, I might do an amalgam with uh, something else. But anyway, that's my lot. <laughs>